0: And I I always think about that in terms of compassion. Sometimes the compassionate thing is to move somebody out of a seat. It's to get them not in a a position where they're regularly failing and publicly failing, but into a place where they can be successful. And sometimes that's another seat on the bus. And sometimes that's another business altogether, but that's got to be okay. Hey,
1: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Hourglass, a podcast channel presented by NOLA Consulting Group my name is molly nolan and i'm back here to tee up today's unique episode edition it's another sneak peek into our ncg book club every month pretty consistently since the end of 2020 our team of coaches and staff reads a new book and then we have a monthly discussion on our takeaways highlights and perspectives we've shared a sneak peek into our group discussions in the past when we released some highlights from the discussion on first break all the rules by marcus buckingham we do this for two reasons One, to share what books our team of coaches are reading and how an informal discussion can generate powerful takeaways. And two, to encourage you to think about joining a book club, whether it be at work, amongst your peers, or in your personal time. It's a great way to connect with others and relate what you're actually reading to life itself in practice. Some of these books are ones that we've read in the past and are looking to revisit, and others are new. In addition to First Break All the Rules, we've also read Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman and Mark Winters, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, The Secret by Ken Blanchard and Mark Miller. Today, we're sharing some highlights from our most recent book, The Dichotomy of Leadership, Balancing the Challenges of Extreme Ownership to Lead and Win by Jocko Willinks and Leif Favin. With their first book, Extreme Ownership, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin set a new standard for leadership, challenging readers to become better leaders, better followers, and better people in both their professional and personal lives. Now, in the dichotomy of leadership, Jocko and Leif dive even deeper into the uncharted and complex waters of a concept first introduced in extreme ownership, finding balance between the opposing forces that pull every leader in different directions. Here, Willink and Babin get granular into the nuances that every successful leader must navigate. This episode will, of course, feel different than our normal out of the hour last episodes, with a handful of different voices, discussion points, and informal conversation. We would encourage you to listen in and also read the book should it pique your interest. There are so many golden nuggets of wisdom that can be found in Willink and Babin's dichotomy of leadership. Go get them. And now, our NCG Book Club Highlights. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get Out of the Hourglass.
0: Okay, so um, uh, as we lead up to the Grand Summit and preparation for the Grand Summit, we've got a, a number of books that we want to make sure everybody's reading. This, this is about the challenges that, so many of our leaders face every day um, as they're going about running their businesses. Um, if I could, I'd like to get just a, a quick summary of what the book is about before we go into it. So um, Molly, I know you had um, some, some opinions there, if you wouldn't mind. what's what, what do you think the overall summary of the book is?
1: Yeah, sure. There was a lot of different... Um examples kind of throughout um, that were given, but I, I took away kind of the overall theme to me was as a leader kind of finding the balance of the, of the natural extremes that we often feel, um, whether you need to the let go on the one side, the whole something too close. In every situation, there was always the, okay, what's the middle ground? Um, and it was the, what's the best for the team, not for the eye. And so looking at um, any strategy, any risks, any, any, any decisions that needed to be to, that needed to be made um, or to be considered, how would it affect the team versus the feelings of the eye of, of the leader. Um, I just kind of saw I saw balance through, throughout everything. It was the extreme versus the, the decentralized um, and, and test, testing your, your ability to, to find that middle ground.
0: Right. Um, Brian, you were, you were eager to say something. Yeah. Well,
2: this, uh, this book for me was so real, sort of representing 30 years of my life as a leader and, uh, the daily judgment calls one has to make and that you can't cookie cutter, uh, leadership decisions. You know, you, you can't think too much about ego. I mean, I, I think about the, History of, uh, of Nolan Consulting Group, you know, like uh, the the first dichotomy: building strong relationships without letting your feelings stop you from doing what's necessary. Like I think about when I when we decided to uh, shut down the call center, uh, mm-hmm. really save the greater company, the the the, the passion and the. And the vision that we had was really for coaching and summit network. And yet uh, we had this beautiful group of people led by Dee who thankfully we were able to bring in the lifeboat which is partially why we're successful today. <laughs> uh, so that dichotomy, uh, that uh, judgment calls really the pause reflected choose has never been uh, more important here.
0: Uh, you know, I'll I'll add to that if I could because it's it's about so when you know Molly when you were talking about finding the balance there it's it's about um, also understanding when so that in that pause reflect and choose when you've made a mistake and being able to recover from it um, so it's that it seems so odd to me it's a written by a group of military people so many of those stories are military in nature um the strength and vulnerability really comes through it's about you know recognizing also that sometimes you do make a mistake and it is okay to acknowledge it and to move on from it as opposed to you know digging into the trenches and being stubborn and saying yeah i made this this decision and i'm going to stick with it um which can be, you know, that's a that's a something that we can all suffer from.
3: I like, I like um, something Molly said there, in, in her element one element of her explanation was one of its balance. But it's also knowing which side of the issue you tend to have a bias towards, and if you know your biases, leadership isn't necessarily one directional. I'm going to head in this direction and always be this way. So if you know your bias you can check yourself. So the dichotomy gives a nice sort of way, like I'm, which, which bias do I tend to
4: have?
0: Right, right. Vince? Something that I
4: thought was incredibly timely is that what keeps coming up on all the calls that we've had with the businesses right now, in that there's no one in the pipeline that can take care of issues when, when things fall apart. You know, it's just the lack of people, the lack of leaders, and the dichotomy that was a recurrent theme that I saw was knowing when to lead and when to follow. And really the difference is, is being able to empower your next line of your bench strength so that you know you don't have to micromanage. And, and the difference of micromanaging and, and hands-off leadership, uh, I thought was a recurrent theme, which was neat. Yeah. So, so-
0: do you want a so second? You know, part one is balancing people, right? And it's a it's about recognizing who your team is, and and I did. I I feel like one of the things that really resonated for me in there, Vince, tying into that is the idea of developing people. I, I do oh so often here. I don't have time to work with people to elevate my middle level people, and and yet when there comes a point and there's nobody there to rely on, it's like, well, what? Now, six months, you could have been developing these people. <laughs> um, Dee, go ahead. I'm sorry. And and just to um, expand on Vince's point, uh, one of the themes that I saw running through it was um, making sure that the team understands the why. The why is the basis for, you know, that growth
4: or, you know, developing people. So. He mentioned that multiple times, D. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin.
5: Yeah, I, I gravitated towards that naturally from my SL2 studies and people don't explain the rationale and the why behind things. Um, and when plans fall apart and people don't know the why or the reasons behind things, they're not able to reformulate plans as quickly because they were just following step one, step two, as opposed to a mission or a why. People kind of get the core purpose. They can better adapt when
0: things don't work out, right? In the, in the moment. Yeah.
2: Go ahead, Brian. One of the ones that I've dealt with my whole career is when to let someone go, when to fire someone and when not to, and what's best, That that is key. And I, I think a lot of our uh, customers struggle with this. And the first question is, You know, what have I done, have I done everything that I can as a manager as a leader to uh, communicate clarity to to this person. Um, But I I think this is an area that needs improvement among summit members in general um, to really uh, not not hold on because of scarcity, because that affects the team long term in a bad way. Uh, But to really, to really actively manage and actively coach and uh, do your part with performance improvement plans and then do what's best for the team, that is a critical thing because your team is everything.
5: Brian, uh, you know, to follow on that one, that was one of my, one of my favorite chapters of it was the uh, when to mentor, when to fire. And I think um, it was also, they didn't. I mean, he was fired in the, the, the example they used was firing somebody but they actually moved him to a different seat i mean he, he moved out of that the, you know that that department and went into the mainstream i guess but still i think we don't do that enough we don't mentor and then make a decision and move them to a different seat but they can still be on the team they may have good culture good everything else but we, we leave them too long in the seat for the culture and don't move them when they need to be moved
0: you so. know, and in that story, it was pretty clear, right? Rock, rock that's the guy, Rock, was, yeah. was also relieved. You know, he was part of a high power team and internally understanding that he wasn't bringing something that was necessary to, keep, yeah. to make the group successful. And I, I always think about that in terms of compassion. Sometimes the compassionate thing is to move somebody out of a seat. It's to get them not in a, a position where they're regularly failing and publicly failing, but into a place where they can be successful. And sometimes that's another seat on the bus and sometimes that's another business altogether, but that's gotta be okay. Yeah. Um, what about balancing the mission? So part two is balancing the mission. So, you know, there are a couple of, of you know, train hard, train smart. Um, how, do, how does that tie into the businesses that we work with?
3: Well, I mean, the first thing that stuck out to me was the, the being um, micro versus macro, the being too detail-oriented and not being able to a- adapt. And it's, it's hard. It's not, it's not a black or white issue. It takes discussion, and it's, it's not just something where you can say, go do this. You really have to talk about it and figure out. So SL2 comes in using SL2 to determine you know where someone's at. I love it when they all kind of, all these systems we use link together.
0: (laughs) It's almost like we're intentional. Sydney. Almost. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
5: This train hard, but train smart chapter was really my favorite chapter of the whole thing. Just I, the whole book related to dog training to me and, and, you know, in all the nuances of being a leader slash trainer, but, the line, I have it bookmarked here, there is no growth in the comfort zone about mm-hmm. when to apply pressure and how to apply it um, in doses that the person can overcome. I think that's really powerful because, I mean, who wants to be uncomfortable? We all, you know, we all get good at something and, and we like to stay there and stay in our, our comfort zone, but are you really growing if, if you're not being challenged? So that, that to me was um, really You think powerful. comfort
2: don't coexist? Growth and
6: comfort don't coexist, right? right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They don't. Michael.
6: Yeah, one of, I like this chapter a lot too. One of the things that stood out was like pushing down the training and not feeling like all the training has to come from the leadership. <clears throat> Excuse me. I feel like Nolan Paintings doing a good job with that by you know having people create these videos. And um, I think that's where a lot of, you know, whatever smaller businesses get stuck because, you know, we know that, a training program is supposed to be really good but a really good training program takes a lot of time if try if it's tried to be done by one person um, i felt like that was like a lesson that most businesses like ours need to need to understand
2: can i just touch on something catherine um yeah. uh, i want to touch on number number six it's aggressive but not reckless um i think I deal with that. I think as a leader, sometimes I'm overly cautious, uh, but, but then sometimes I think uh, some of our customers might be overly aggressive. And I think it points to this reserve strategy. My dad always said, never take a risk you can't cover. Um, so I think this, this, you know, when do I hit, hit the gas pedal and hire a salesperson, hire someone ahead of time, or when do I cautiously hold back? I think it's a dichotomy all leaders deal with on a regular basis.
5: You know, on, can I add to that? I think yeah, I that's probably one of the biggest things I think, you know, in, in our economy where we are today is there's a lot of opportunity and it's like push the gas, you know, and go, but but there, it's also very unstable. Um, and we we definitely need to be watching, be smart about that move. You know, what, and then I, I like your dad's, your, his comment was don't, don't take a risk you can't cover.
0: Um that same chapter or that same part for me is, you know, plan, but don't overplan. I, I think also that, you know, it on the surface, that might look like it's counter to what we coach to plan, but don't overplan. plan. Um, but I think it actually matches what we coach to. Um, we want a structure, we want a big rocks for the year, we want a 90 day plan, we want to know who's accountable to what, and we want to know what when we're gonna hit those uh, commitments um, over planning is going so far down that you get lost in the weeds and I think sometimes we we encounter that. I can't like you know Michael like you're saying I can't create something I can't create a training plan because it's too big for me um, but I think, it's that's the trap, right? The the trap can be it's too big for me and I'm going too far down instead of um, I've got a plan. I'm going to work the plan, right?
2: I need to tag on to that. Sorry, I'm I'm, less comment for me. Then I'll be quiet for a while. Um, It it spoke to me because planning is more important than the plan. Right. right? Planning uh, and the ability to plan all all the time. So like this is the plan, you know, the plan happen is ready t- until the battle happens. And then you need to get good at planning in the moment. So planning has yeah. to become a core, a core function, not the plan is ready.
0: Right. Yeah. It's the verb versus <laughs> the noun, right? It's the action versus the static that might sit on yeah. your desk. So, um, Michael, before, I think Michael had a response. And then, Steve, I'll get you there.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something we probably see and hear a lot, that challenge of like, I'm too busy to plan or I'm too busy to train where it's like the planning or the training prevents the busyness. And it's this chicken and the egg dichotomy there that I think is prevalent. Yeah, it is.
3: At, awesome. at the beginning, for sure, when you start the planning process, it's just more work. So you, you've you got to, you can't stop. If you stop, it'll be, it won't solve anything, but you have to keep going. So the the routine yeah.
0: Right. Um Steve and then Vince.
5: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say the, the plan, you know, I'm struggling with Stephanie. It's like we made a plan and she's like, We're we're not doing the plan. I said, Yeah, but who would have who would have known we sold a million dollars more than we had planned on uh, uh, over the last two months? So, you know, we have to adapt, you know, adapt and just and she's like, but we planned. And it's like, oh right. No, we were we were planning, we were planning, and, and now we're planning's changed, you know. So it's able right. to adapt and adjust,
4: overcome. Yeah. Totally.
0: Uh Vince.
4: I like the opposing force argument to that section where you can't plan for everything that comes up. So if you try, it's just gonna weigh you down and, and yeah. be counterproductive.
5: That that ties it that ties it back to what Brian mentioned was if you're planning, you've got to know your numbers. So you going to know what you're, what you have to know when you have to adapt or stop or adjust. You know, but if you if you can watch your, you know your, your your KPIs or you know, you've got to have your bearings. Once you plan it, you need to have your outline. And if we go past this outline, you have to readjust.
0: You know, that's that that the, all of that is about part three of the book, right? It's about balancing yourself and. Um, the other thing that I felt was important, and this ties back to where I started, which is, you know, humble, humility is an important leadership quality. Um, and I think in, a, in a, maybe in a small business where a lot of what has gotten you to a certain level of success is your ability to be brash and to be out there and to be more than maybe what you believe yourself to be in on the inside it's almost difficult then to take that step back and to ex- expose yourself and be humble with your team. Um, but but you know I that's so much of what they're talking about. You got you got to get to that place with your team. Be transparent. You're on certain um, flexibility there. It's them. It gets your teammate, your teammates to you know push and like. Don't you want to be saved? let your employees save you.
2: You know, I I need to comment on the vulnerability issue as a leader, you know, the economy is leadership. They have to think that they're strong and and all, but um, the weakness is actually when, um, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, Vince on that call, vulnerability is really, um, is probably one of the most important characteristics of leadership. In order to gain the respect of the people you're leading, so they know you're real. Um, so that's that's something that I think people don't often address. Yeah.
1: go ahead, Molly. That refers, I think, you called it the leadership capital, um, where you have you you have so much over time, but you have to build that by you you build it by gaining trust. And so, but you also, you also can lose it um, when you make mistake when you make those mistakes and um, maybe shut people down and don't take consideration and choose, choose, choose way without, without asking the team. Brian, I think of your statement always, I'll take it, you know, thank you for your input. I'll take it under advisement or consideration. Um, that's, that's your way of taking in our ideas. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a, there's a decision maker, um, but we have the, the trust has been built by people to give their ideas um, and that's a leadership capital. I think you do in an environment where people can feel like they can express their opinions and give input. That's Thankfully. leadership capital is there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's,
2: yeah. A great, that's a great comment. Actually. I mean, that's a great phrase. Leadership capital. It's so yes. true. you got it. I mean, your stock price as a leader is always going like this, right?
0: Very volatile. The market's very volatile. Uh, and then Michael.
4: Uh, piggybacking off of that, they specifically mentioned the general patent style of listen to me or else and how that's not a productive angle long-term. You know, you kind of lose people and it's always met with resistance when you come, at, come in hot like that.
6: Mm.
4: Yeah. Michael.
6: Yeah, I think it's, you know, a lot of it is just knowing what decisions do I need to make as the leader and what decisions do I need to trust my team to make? And I think that's one of the most challenging things as a leader, feeling like you have to do everything, which actually makes you a weaker leader. Um, And I I like that they talked about that a lot. Totally.
1: The decisioner. Mm -hmm. Molly. This may be strange, but I, I, I had this analogy in my head as I've like thought about if I was listening to the book of like um, the leader gives in terms of like a project or a mission the leaders giving you uh, it's almost like a road trip the leader's giving you the destination as to where you need to get to and the time that they need you to be there or the date they need you to be there they might say um, here are some tools you might consider but um, it's your your it's your it's your road trip and so you're you're bringing in the people who can assist you who can change the tires if if, the, if you break down um, who's bringing enough supplies, who's doing the GPS, um, you might take a different path than the leader would have, but the leader has given you that option to, to handle the forks in the road. Um, and if they see you diverting and going the opposite direction, that's where they might need to say, come back, come, they might, that's where they, they, they call you up and say, I think you're taking the wrong road. Um, but I just had this uh, this road map in my head and if the person who can't change the tire can't change the tire, then they don't belong on, you know, they don't belong in the car.
0: Right, right. I don't know, it's just, it's
1: just in simple terms, but that's where my mind, my mind took me.
0: Right. And, you know, I think it's, it's, for me, this is, that's the hardest thing to work with uh, some of our leaders on because we are working in production oriented environments where there actually is a best way to prep a room and there is a best way to paint a door. And so we, we are in the thought process of measuring process. We're, we're measuring process, but when it comes to other decisions, we gotta measure results, and not process. And so it is really difficult for business owners to make that shift from, I gotta let go of, I know the best way to prep this room is X, But in problem solving a customer service issue, the result is a happy customer. And I might choose to do this, but my crew leader might choose to do that. And that's got to be okay. Mm -hmm.
6: Yeah. Well, I think that same thing flows down. You know, crew leaders often struggle with that, you know, where they feel like they've got to go and check on every painter, making sure that every door is getting painted whatever specific way that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as long as the customer is happy and the door looks good or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um all right. Well, let's uh, um in the interest of time, is there any um anything that anybody wanted to make sure that we did address today within the context of this book or any any significant takeaway that we would make sure to address with the owners that we're working with? Vince
4: So something I just thought was funny uh, from our tour of Nolan painting last week or the week before um, noticed their breakout teams where they each had a different designation. And uh, he specifically mentioned that in the part where he talked about the, uh, the battalions patches and how they had a different patch, but they wanted them all to have the American flag patch, but allowing them to break out and designate themselves it, it
2: built unity. Totally, yeah, yeah. So, I one final statement: teams win, teams win. Individuals don't.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so this is a team sport, so um, harness the power of the team and be aware and have have vulnerability. Catherine, as always, thanks for your your excellent uh, facilitation this book particularly like it resonated with me situationally the whole, the whole time. So good stuff.
0: And everybody. Thanks very much. Really appreciate your time and attention. I'll get the next selection out there for everybody. Um, and as always have a fantastic day.
6: Thanks for listening to this episode out of the hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan consulting group a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.